0: Hey everybody, this is Mark. Welcome to another episode of This Poor Pastor's Podcast. What you doing here? Don't you have practice? Not anymore, I quit. Oh. Well, since when are you the quitting kind? I want to do something big and something important. I'm not like you. I'm nothing. Just let me be nothing. So where does the power come from, to see the race to its end? I believe God made me for a purpose you commit yourself to the love of Christ, then that is how you run a straight race. Run in God's name and let the world stand back in wonder. Welcome. Was it as easy as it looked? No, sir. No, no sir, it wasn't. Guys, it is, uh, let's see here. What is this? This is Thursday, December 17th. I have not been doing a good job at getting episodes out every Monday. My life has gotten crazy, but at least I'm getting an episode out. Sitting here in my office right now, turning my computer and microphone and looking out the window. We are in the middle of the first major snowstorm of the year. And uh, we've got several inches on the ground already, and it's supposed to snow right on through until about one o'clock. Been snowing all night. I love the snow. Something clean and fresh about the snow. You know, this time of year when everything is brown and muddy, but then you get a nice snowstorm and everything just turns clean and white. I love these days. Oh, I love living in New England. Anyway, I'm here in my office, got the heat on, I'm comfortable, I don't even have shoes on, sitting here in my sock feet. got my dog, Keita, here with me, and she's keeping me company in my office, and she likes to come to the office with me. Uh, I, I've always had a dog in my life, and I love dogs, and she is a, She's a special one to me. You know the thing about dogs, no matter how hard your day is, you come home and they're always happy to see you. In fact, if you walk out the door and come back five minutes later, they're going to greet you as if you've been gone for hours. I love my dog. I love her a lot. Anyhow, um, I hope you guys are having a good day. I hope you're having a great week. Uh, Looking towards the Christmas season, the Christmas uh, holiday. We're right in the middle of it, I guess. Not really looking forward to it, uh, but we're in it. So this coming Sunday, December the twentieth, uh, Sunday night, we'll have our uh, Christmas service, um, and we just have some special music and some uh, extra singing and a short little devotional. Then we go down into our fellowship area, and we're going to have some food and some fellowship and some games. And looking forward uh, to that. Big things happening in our family. My wife has her pinning ceremony this coming Friday uh, or this coming Saturday, December nineteenth she completed her nursing degree. I'm so excited for her, it's huge, it's huge. Um, And so she's been working for four years for a two-year nursing degree. Why four years? Well, because she went to an unaccredited Bible college, and so none of the credits in four years that she got were of any value whatsoever when trying to uh, get into nursing school, so she had to go back and take all those prerequisites that she already took in college, but they were of no value. Don't get me started on that. It's a sore subject. Thanks for getting me started on it in the first place. Actually, you didn't get me started on it. I'm just sitting here in an empty office, and it's the first thing that came to my mind. Anyway, huge deal for my wife. Super proud of her, uh, and she is. It's been a dream she's had since she was a little girl uh, to be a nurse. And I didn't know about it until about five years ago. When I when I found out, I said, "Babe, you got to do that," and I encouraged her. And she started getting the information, and she went into it. And um, I could not be more proud of my wife for doing that. Full-time mom and her husband is a full-time pastor and uh, she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, awesome. She's an awesome person. So, big big days in the foster household. Well, as the title of the podcast episode says, the times, they are a-changin', to quote an old Bob Dylan song. Um, Oh, you know things are changing rapidly. Uh, I don't know how anyone can honestly look at what is happening in the world today and deny that things are changing very, very fast. Our culture is going through a dramatic shift right now, Uh, a dramatic shift on the political landscape. Um, Really, uh, with a major push towards socialism, um, which has always been nipping at the heels of free Americans, but is growing in popularity and strength, and uh, and so that's that's happening in our nation. Uh, social changes. I mean, all of these things with uh, uh, the transgender movement and. Um, the LGBTQ um, uh, ideology that just seems to be growing in force and strength so that, uh, boy, our whole social fabric is being changed. Um, the, the religious landscape is going through a, a, a shift. Uh, even because of this pandemic, it's changed the way that we view church and the way that we do church in, in a lot of cases. Now, there's a lot of rhetoric out there right now, especially within the topic of the election or the pandemic. For my part, I do not know how you can honestly say that nothing has changed or that soon things will just go back to the way they were. Um, I hear people talk about that everything has changed. I also hear people talk about nothing has changed and everything will go back to normal as soon as this pandemic's over. I don't know how you can honestly think that if you have your eyes open. I do not believe things are ever going to go back to the way they were here in America. I don't think so. I think I think we've crossed some bridges that uh, there's not going to be go- any going back. Um, in one sense, things are always changing, though, right? I mean, things never really remain static. But there are times in human history when a sea change occurs. Uh, the term sea change, by the way, in case you don't know it, we use it a lot, but it comes from the early 1600s. Um, really came into um, figure of speech use in the early 1800s, but it's from the 1600s in Shakespeare's uh, play, The Tempest. Um, And it means a total and complete transformation, a radical change in direction. Now, one example of a sea change in America is the almost overnight rise of the single political rule of governors under these seeming indefinite emergency orders. I mean, think about it for a minute. What area of your life right now has not been affected by an executive mandate? It is almost impossible to do anything without stopping to think about, am I allowed to do that? Are they allowed to do that? Is that place going to be open? Can I go there? Can we do this? Less than a year ago, I could happily go about my life without a single thought about what our governor, Janet Mills, was going to do or say that day. Now, every day, this one person has the unlimited ability to tell me what to do and to threaten fines and jail time for disobeying. And she has turned businesses into the enforcement arm of the state. Uh, She's turned the media into her tool of communication and neighbors into snitches. And this isn't unique to Maine. this is happening all across our country. And that's a huge change. It's a massive change. We are in a completely different country than we were in 10 months ago. And even if you're one of those people who are just rebelling against it, the fact that you are rebelling against it testifies to the sea change I'm talking about. If it didn't exist, neither would your rebellion. Entire state legislatures have gone almost 10 months without representing their constituents, and no end of that is in sight. I'm not even sure why we voted for our state representatives in the last election. They're not doing anything. They're pontificating, but they're not really doing anything. Now, I have a reason for going off in this direction today. There is talk about an an economic reset. Uh, Tech companies are developing apps that will show your vaccination status to enter major sporting events, possibly airports, and who knows what else. States are seriously and openly discussing the issue of secession right now. And as Bob Dylan said, you better wake up, the water around you is rising. The times, they are a-changing. What does that have to do with pastors? So much. I was in my study preparing a Sunday school lesson a couple of weeks ago. We've been going through 1 Corinthians together, and we were just getting into chapter 14, where Paul deals with the misunderstanding and misuse of tongues. So I decided to go a bit more in depth and go back to do a survey of how the word tongue or tongues is used in the Old Testament, since that would have likely informed Paul's use of the word. And I'm not going to go into that here, but I was getting really into the study when all of a sudden I was overwhelmed with this thought. What difference does any of this make right now? No one's thinking about this stuff. It isn't even relevant in people's lives. Everyone is thinking about the virus, the election, the vaccines, masks, mandates. And I had to stop and ask myself, how in the world was this information going to benefit people? I've had that thought a lot lately. Now, honestly, I have had so many weeks where I struggled just to put together sermon material because every verse I read sounded like COVID. And I realized that my own mind was so focused on current events that I couldn't think of anything else. Am I the only one like that? I doubt it. I hope not. I have worked very hard at avoiding a lot of talk about it in the pulpit. I wanted my people to have a safe haven, a place to escape the nonstop barrage of negative information. But I worry about it because the times are changing and I want to make sure that my people are prepared for what is coming. But I'm not even sure I know exactly what is coming. We see so many times in the Bible that God sent messengers to prepare people for what was coming. Even when God was going to send Israel into bondage because of their rebellion, he sent them messengers to prepare them for that bondage and to give them hope. Jesus gave instructions for the coming destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 70 A.D., and he told them what to do and what to expect. Paul and Peter left instructions for the times that were coming and the persecution that was happening then. But I'm not a prophet. I'm just a poor pastor. What am I supposed to preach when I know that it, uh, that it doesn't seem relevant to the people? Is there any possibility that talking about 1 Corinthians 14 in any, is in any way beneficial to prepare people for the changes that are upon us? I really don't know. I hope so. In Psalm 119, which we've been going through together on Wednesday nights at our church, Psalm 119, the psalmist speaks over and over and over about God's word and the enemies that were coming against him. He speaks a lot of his determination to follow God's word, even when the culture was in rebellion. He's like, they've gone against it, but I have determined to follow it. They're making fun of me, but I've stayed strong in your word. Over and over, he talks about that. He said, teach me your statutes, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to do what your word says. I'm committed to it, he says over and over. So the psalmist seemed convinced that even when he was mocked for doing so, the safest and best thing he could do was to know God's word and follow God's word and align his life with God's word. You know, last night we were looking at, and I think it's verse number 67 of Psalm 119, where he said, teach me, or verse, maybe it's, uh, I don't know, verse 67 or if it's verse 68 or something, something in there in that eight verse segment. He said, teach me good judgment and knowledge for I believe in thy word. He said, I do believe your word, but I want to have good, When the word judgment is the word for taste or discernment. Like Job said that the ear tries the words in the same way that the tongue tries meat. I want to have good discernment. I want to I want to recognize I, it's not enough just to believe the Bible, Lord. I want to know how the Bible applies to my life and to everyday life. In order to do that, though, he said, you got to teach it to me. Teach me your statutes. So before you can know how the Bible applies to life, you first have to know the Bible. And then you have to ask God to give you the wisdom to know how to apply the Bible in everyday life life. Now, I think too many times we're trying to teach people how to apply the Bible before they even know the Bible, but I could be wrong about that. That's what the psalmist seemed to be saying. The times are indeed changing, but God's Word doesn't change, and I think therein lies our security. Keeping our minds fixed on the Bible and the study of it is, I think, actually very safe. Psalm 1 gives me further hope because in Psalms 1 we have Psalms 1 Psalm 1 we have a comparison between those who meditate in the law of God and those who do not that he calls the ungodly so he says you know he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season the ungodly are not so they're not planted they're not flourishing they're like the chaff which the wind driveth away What's the difference? The difference is this person who knows the law of God, delights in the law of God, and meditates in the law of God, an intensive saturation in what God's Word says. Now, read the law. Read the Old Testament law, and you'll find out there's a lot of things that you're like, I don't even see how this is relevant. But being saturated in God's Word and knowing God's Word was beneficial to the heart, mind, and life of the individual in Psalms 1. I keep saying Psalms. Psalm 1. It isn't that I'm trying to ignore what's going on around me. It's just that in the church, I'm trying to get people focused on God's word, what it says, what it means. I'm trying to build them up and give them some weights to lift, mental and spiritual weights to lift, in the hope that they'll be strengthened with all might in the inner man. Why am I doing that? Because they are going to need it in the changing times. So while I am afraid sometimes that what I'm teaching isn't relevant, I I have to try to remind myself that you're, you're helping people to develop spiritual muscle and discernment so that in these changing times, they can stay planted, they can stay consistent, they can stay solid because the times are changing. It's never been more necessary to be focused on an unchanging truth, the Word of God. I want to strengthen my people, but I need to be careful that I don't allow the changing times to dictate my messages. I don't want people to come to church and be worked up about things that they can do nothing about, rather than focused on God and growing in Him. Let me wrap it up with this thought. I don't know how you would see this, but something I woke up about thinking, or I woke up thinking about in the middle of the night. The story of the three Hebrew children, commonly known as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, also known as Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah. Those are their Hebrew names. However you want to remember it. I cannot imagine that the parents of those Hebrew children prior to Nebuchadnezzar, prior to that captivity, I cannot imagine that they ever taught them about specifically about what to do when faced with the decision of whether to bow before an idol or be cast in a fiery furnace. Now, ever since that time, parents have used the story of the three Hebrew children to teach their Sunday school classes, well, at least since New Testament times and even even more recently because Sunday school is a relatively recent invention. Nonetheless, they've told their kids about the stories of the three Hebrew children and how they didn't bow, they didn't bend, they didn't bow, they didn't burn. That's a wonderful song. Uh, love that very, very much. But I cannot imagine that the parents of Hanani, Mishael, and Azariah ever told them, now, if you're ever given the choice between bowing before an idol and, uh, or being tossed in the fiery furnace, here's what you do. But what I can imagine that those parents taught their children was, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. One Lord, and ye shall worship. You shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength." They taught them the greatest commandment. They taught them what it meant to worship God. They taught them what the law of God was. They taught them all of those things, so that. The truths of those scriptures were so drilled into their minds and their relationship with God was so solid that when this sea change happened, they were able to stand. Here's the summary for the entire episode. Unchanging truths will fit us for changing times. Unchanging truths will fit us for changing times. So I don't... Well, I still worry that what I'm teaching will not seem relevant to people who come to listen. But I'm going to keep plugging away. I am not going to ignore the changing times. We do address it. We acknowledge it, and then we turn our heart to the Lord and his word, and we say with the psalmist, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, and thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Truths and principles from God's word, saturation with God's word, what it teaches, when it teaches it, how it applies to our lives. All of these things are necessary because there's, there's no way that I can foresee all the changes that are coming. I'm not a prophet. I don't even have the time or the inclination to want to spend my days trying to get ahead of all the wicked men that are out there and their evil plots. I don't spend time trying to figure out what Bill Gates is doing or George Soros is doing or the Biden administration is doing, or this person, or that person, or the other person. I don't have time. I only have the same amount of time that anybody else has, and we can only afford just so much focus on any given topic. And as a pastor, my focus, my responsibility is to feed the flock of God. And I struggle with it. I, I'm cons- that's why I'm addressing it in this podcast episode. There are times I look at it and say, How in the world is this even relevant to the people? But it is relevant. Because one day, they're going to face a decision, and hopefully, we will have taught them and trained them what God's Word says, so that regardless of the decision, regardless of the change in culture and society, they will have learned good judgment, and they will be able to discern the right from the wrong. We can either focus on teaching them all that is wrong in the world, or we can focus on teaching them the truth of God's Word, which will shed its light upon all that is wrong. It doesn't always seem relevant, but we must believe that it is. I know the frustration that many of you are facing. I'm facing the same frustration. We're going to keep plugging away. This poor pastor is just going to keep plugging away. I hope you will do the same I'm praying for you guys I appreciate the conversations that I have with some of you if you want to reach out by email and, and start a conversation we could even talk by phone then but if you want to reach out by email thispoorpastor at gmail.com would be glad to talk to you I want to be your friend I want to encourage you I want to help you I don't have all the answers but one thing I can give you is an ear we can commiserate together we can encourage one another thank you for what you do. You're necessary, you're needed, you're valued. God has chosen you to be an under-shepherd of his flock, so let's do that faithfully this week and the next. Lord will, and I'll be here next week for another episode of this Poor Pastor's Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week.